Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and welcome to your weekly astrology forecast for the week of February 10th through February 16th. I hope that you are doing well after the Leo full moon on Sunday. Um, I'm recording this as it's waxing to fullness, so we're still kind of uh, in the middle of it here, but hopefully by the time you're listening to this, you will have figured out what the the culmination of this last uh, lunar cycle was with the new moon in Aquarius at four degrees that wax to fullness at 20 degrees of Leo. So um, yeah, this week ahead is going to be kind of uh, dealing with maybe some of the fallout from that. Uh, We don't have a ton of exact aspects this week. Uh, Just to give you a little preview, we're going to be seeing um, Venus conjoining Chiron, which isn't something I normally talk about uh, with the asteroids that much. Uh, There is a lot of stuff to cover just with the kind of a traditional Hellenistic treatment of planets, but We'll talk about that just very briefly. Um, the moon will be waning to the last quarter this week. Uh, Mars will be moving into Capricorn, its traditional exaltation sign, uh, the domicile of Saturn. So that should be interesting. We'll discuss that. Uh, Mercury will be retrograding this week. That's kind of, that's kind of our big news that is uh, always talked about in popular astrology is the Mercury retrograde. So we'll kind of explore that from from a traditional perspective and see what if we can unravel that a little bit for you. Uh, a few new decans this week. We've got the we've got Mercury moving into the second decan of Pisces, which is associated with the Nine of Cups. Mars will be moving into Capricorn 1, and we'll talk about the Two of Pentacles a little bit. And Venus is going to dip it's a tiny little toe into Aries 2, but we're going to save Aries 2 to next week because we've got just a a lot of ground to cover with um, the stuff that we've got so far. And it's only for a very brief period of time, so that'll give us some more stuff to, to dive into next week. Essential dignities for the week. Uh, the sun, actually, let's look at the chart here. Share the chart. Okay, so now you can see my chart and where things are going to be starting off and where they're going to be ending up. Remember, this is a really good exercise to, to get, you know, to wrap your head around uh where the planets are and how fast they move and if they're going to be changing signs or changing decans and you can see it all in one big picture. So the inner ring of my chart, if you're listening or if you're watching on the video, uh, is where the week begins at midnight, uh, February 10th. And then uh, we are going to be moving all the way to uh, midnight on February 16th or 12 a.m. to 11.59 p.m. You get the idea. All right, the sun is still in its traditional sign of exile. It is in Saturn's diurnal home uh, of Aquarius, moving through the third decan this this week still, um, preparing for its exit into the sign of Pisces in the next week. So we'll be seeing a shift after this week. This this week is kind of the is quiet before we've got a, a bunch of more stuff happening, <laughs> movement, more movement. Uh, we had some of the bigger fireworks maybe in the last week, and now we're kind of, this is the recovery phase, I think. Uh, so it'll be in its exile. Uh, it will be in the terms of Mars from 20 to 25 degrees, and then the terms of Saturn from 25 to 30 degrees. So again, this might be a little bit of a tough solar time as we are moving through um, the, the terms of the malefics, both Mars and Saturn being malefic planets where they may be a little bit tougher teachers with, with those two planets as bound lords. We may have to uh, follow some etiquette that isn't as um, 
isn't as friendly as we might want it to be. So maybe a little bit difficult issuing commands, uh, taking leadership positions, trying to figure out where we're going to have a sense of identity. That could be something that is a little bit uh, challenging when the sun is moving through Aquarius and especially through those last two um, bound rulers. Um, so remember we talked about last week, this this particular decan was was kind of about what are you going to uh, take with you as you leave something behind? We, we talked about uh, Aquarius being kind of a, a sign that was associated with the outsider and someone who was on the, on outs, the outside of the wall, so to speak. Um, you know, they also called it like the, literally the mark of exile was one of the Deccan's uh, names that Austin Coppett gave it in 36 Faces. So it's, it's just kind of an interesting place. And, and uh, we talked about defining ourselves um, through exclusion and through uh, rejecting what we are not. So that is something that uh, with these, this full moon, hopefully you've gotten some clarity as far as what, what part of yourself that you need to defend and, or what territory you need to defend and what you need to let go of and, and move on to something different. Uh, so this, that's what's going on with our solar significations this week. Uh, Jupiter is moving through the second decade of Capricorn where it is in its fall. Remember that was like it was at the bottom of the Wheel of Fortune. Um, kind of it, it wasn't in a place where it was feeling super awesome. Uh, it, it has a little bit more difficulty bringing about um, things like uh, abundance, um, maybe even integrity, expansion. Uh, you know, it, there may be difficulty with teachers that we may be having. Uh, could be a fall from grace with that. Like one of Jupiter's traditional associations was with, with uh, you know, gurus and teachers. So that may be something we're experiencing. Uh, Jupiter is moving through the terms of Venus from 14 to 22 degrees. So it's following the curriculum of, of Venus right now, which who is in her exile. And talk about that. Saturn, uh, the host of Jupiter, meanwhile, is in the third decade of Capricorn, where it has rulership by domicile and is in the terms of Mars. Now, Saturn, Saturn is uh, the one that's kind of strong right now. And we've got a whole bunch of, we've got a whole mess of planets that are in either exile or fall. And it's, um, we're, we're really looking to Saturn for, for strength right now. And that can be a little bit of a difficult proposition because Saturn is, a tough teacher and a, a difficult planet sometimes to completely understand or to, uh, I don't know, work with effectively. Uh, but I think that one of the things we're going to have to figure out this week is how can we be disciplined? How can we let go of the things that aren't serving us? How can we do the hard work necessary to, to move through this period of time that may, where we may just not feel comfortable. This is where all the planets are just kind of in places or in domiciles that are not, they're almost contrary to their nature. And we, everybody's probably going to be feeling this, this, a little bit of this isolation, a little bit of this, like, like being the outsider, um, where, um, we're trying, we're being given resources that are somewhat inappropriate for doing the tasks that we want to do. And that can be frustrating at times. Um, but we should maybe lean into the Saturn because Saturn is giving us all of the Saturnian resources that we could ever want, uh, which is discipline, hard work, uh, being able to consolidate, to, to make a plan, uh, to think uh, objectively and, and in the long term. 
um, to delay gratification and maybe um, work within the limitations that we've been given. So I think that's something to, to focus on as we move through this maybe somewhat challenging period in the sky here. Uh, Venus will be moving through uh, its exile in the, in the sign of Aries um, in the first and then, like I said, dipping a toe into the second decan at the end of the week, moving through the terms of Jupiter from zero to six degrees and then the terms of Venus from six to 12 degrees. Remember, Venus is being given resources by Mars right now. And I, you can compare this to sort of having a, you know, trying to create peace with a dagger or, you know, trying to um, reconcile somebody, but we've got shields up, okay? Uh, and it also is a little bit like we are trying to use our will and our actions to receive or to get what we desire. And that is contrary to uh, Venus's essential nature, which is about receptivity and creating harmony through uh, compromise, really, through, through compromise and seeing what, how we create win-win situations. And we may have a Venus right now, which is a little bit, um, a little bit lusty, a little, a little bit, um, oh, I don't know, impulsive, uh, a little bit um, aggressive. And that can get us into some trouble because when we, when we have a Venus that is trying to pursue things, uh, it, that is going against its essential nature of, of letting things come to her. So think, think very carefully before you pursue some of your desires because it may get you into a little bit of trouble in the Aries uh, area of your chart. Uh, okay, Mars is going to be moving through the third decan of Sagittarius at the beginning of the week. On, in its own terms, from 26 to 30 degrees. So that should be interesting. Mars gets to set, set the rules, right? Uh, gets to set its own rules. And this Mars this week is um, still moving through that third decan of Sagittarius, uh, which was associated with the Ten of Wands. That called, card was called oppression. Uh, it may feel like we're carrying a heavy burden based on some of the belief systems that we have. Um, remember, this was this was a Mars that is being provided for by a fallen Jupiter. So perhaps we are uh, not getting all of the 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 jovial resources that we're used to, as far as like hope, uh, expansion, abundance, and we're trying to take action based on our beliefs. But um, we're being, you know, we're being malnourished, so to speak, a little bit by Jupiter right now, and that may be a little bit difficult. So just be careful with your martial uh, actions that you're trying to take. It, like I said, they, there is a little bit of dignity with Mars being on its own terms. So um, the qualities of the, the etiquette maybe of expectations may be like uh, pretty spicy. You know, we may get a little argumentative. Um, we may have a little bit more agency to take some of the actions based on our belief systems. But I would, I would be careful to examine what those beliefs are and um, if you are in touch with your higher self this is another thing that um, jupiter usually does is uplift us and when jupiter is in this very fallen uh, earthy heavy sign of capricorn uh, it can be sometimes difficult to uh, get in touch with our higher selves we may be our ambitions may be more materially based rather than spiritually based and that that is not a comfortable position for, for Jupiter. So be careful of being overly ambitious with your actions this week. That could be one manifestation of this. 
and then, you know, saying, I, I, I believe it. So I'm going to do it. You know, this is, this is the danger. As Mars moves into its exaltation in Capricorn uh, at the end of the week, at the very end of the week, uh, around Sunday, um, it improves quite a bit. It, it improves into, it, like I said, it'll be at, at the, Mars is going to be kind of at the top of the wheel. We've talked about Jupiter at the bottom of the wheel, and now Mars will be at the top of the wheel of fortune. This is kind of an interesting dichotomy where we have one planet in a certain domicile where it's very um, hmm, unhappy, and we have another planet that's like, hey, I'm honored here. I am, this is, this is, I'm feeling very comfortable with this. Uh, and we'll talk about that at the, at the end of the, the forecast here. But um, Mars is going to be kind of like the, the general, the strategist in Capricorn, um, able to plan for the long haul and take actions that, um, that are rooted in, in patience, I think, too. So like I said, we'll get to that. But, it, but Mars is going to start off on the terms of Mercury from zero to seven degrees. It also is the cooperating triplicity ruler if you're, if you're into that as well. Uh, now moving on to Mercury here. Mercury is uh, moving through its exile and fall. Remember we talked about Mercury having being the only planet that really had this uh, kind of dual, uh, dual dignity nature where it is both in its exile and fall in Pisces. Excuse me. And it also is in its exaltation and domicile in the sign of Virgo, the opposite sign. So uh, and I explained this last week as being, uh, from my understanding and from my learning from my, my astrology teacher, Achutababa, uh, from Nightlight Astrology, um, where Mercury was able to hold the duality of opposites. And uh, Achuta describes um, exiles and domiciles as being of the nature of the sun and the fall and exaltations being the nature of the moon. Um, those different two different types of opposites. And if you want to deeper dive into that, check out last week's video and that'll help you get um, more in touch with the, the meanings of that. Um, but yeah, it's interesting to see Mercury uh, with that dual androgynous type of nature being able to hold these opposites all at once. The bad news is, is that uh, when, when Mercury is in poor condition, it's in really bad shape. Uh, like when it's in really good shape, when it's in Virgo, it is very, very powerful. But when it's in Pisces, it's not, it's not super happy. doesn't mean that there can't be things that we can uh, do that may be appropriate for this position. But um, we will talk more about Mercury in exile and fall as we get to the retrograde part of the, of the show. Um, but for now, in the Essential Dignities Report, Mercury will be on the terms of Venus from 0 to 12 degrees and then the terms of Jupiter from 12 to 16 degrees. Uh, our moon will be uh, waning. We're going to start off in that full moon kind of phase still. Uh, I know we have a Virgo moon here at the beginning of the week, but if you follow the eightfold uh, phases of the moon that, that Dane Rudyard, people like Dane Rudyard laid out and Demetra George taught in a lot of her work, um, that 45 degrees after uh, the opposition is still that full moon phase where we're kind of coming to terms with uh, what that cycle was all about. Uh, and one thing we are going to talk about is the moon escaping the bond on Monday. So uh, that is one thing we will look at. Um, but, but essentially this week we've got the moon waning uh, and the uh, losing its light, like spreading its seed, 
So instead of bringing things into manifestation, we may be uh, you know, releasing things now, letting go of things. Or we, we created something and now we're distributing it out into the world, okay? Because we are moving from the full, which is at the opposition, to the disseminating phase, which I'm going to annotate here a little bit. Uh, the disseminating phase is, starts somewhere over here and then moves into the kind of the, the uh, trine, okay? So when we talk about full moons, we've got this kind of opposition nature. And then it's when it's escaping the bond, okay, generally we've got it sort of in aversion here, which is sort of that hidden place, okay? And then as we move towards the first quarter, I'm sorry, the last quarter, then we've got the square. So we've got this narrative happening. We've got some kind of oppositional type of narrative that's happening at the, at the full moon, where some kind of obstacle that we're coming in contact with. Uh, then we, it's revealed uh, at the loosing, or the, I'm sorry, the escaping of the bond. Um, if we talk about that real quickly, uh, the, the moon escaping the bond is a traditional Hellenistic technique that they talk about the moon being within 15 degrees of either side of a new moon or uh, of the full moon. And this was sort of like being under the sun's beams where the moon was weakened. It was kind of being held captive. Uh, so the, the significations, remember the moon was a manifester. The moon was bringing things into being and, and also taking things out of being. But it, all of the, this manifester potential is sort of held in check at these times. And when it escapes the bond, um, it's important to look at what planet it contacts first to kind of get the vibe of what this, this part of the lunation cycle is going to be like. Uh, in this case, the moon is going to be making its first aspect as an opposition to Mercury in its fall, so that should be fun. <laughs> so we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, but anyway, uh, moon's going to be moving through Virgo, uh, which has triplicity rulership by the nighttime. Then it is going to move into Libra, where it has dignity by face in the first decan, zero to 10 degrees. Then moves into its fall at, in Scorpio at, at the last quarter. Um, that may be a little dicey uh, because we have a, a fallen moon coming in contact with an exiled sun. So both those planets are going to be kind of uh, not, uh, not super digging life. Um, they're going to be in, in uh, temples that they are uh, pretty uncomfortable in, and that may, and this is a, an uncomfortable aspect. So that may be something where we, um, we're just going to have to deal with things not being perfect. And I think that that's if we if we know that going into it, we can say, oh, I see what this is like. I see what's going on here. Uh, and then the moon will dip its toe into Sagittarius, where it has dignity by face in the second decan from ten to twenty degrees. Okay, so. Let's just look at one chart here. So you can see that's where we started out. We'll go on to Monday, our dailies here. And I'm going to clear all this stuff out. Okay. On Monday, what we're going to look at here is that we have, uh, as we go through the day and we are seeing the sunrise here, we are having the moon escape from this bond. And let's talk about that a little bit more, because that's really one of the biggest things that's happening. 
on this day. So we had our opposition between the moon and the sun at the full moon at 20 degrees of Leo and Aquarius, where we may have been having to defend some sort of identity or leave a part of ourselves behind or figure out what kind of identification we want to have. Um, and it's a little bit difficult because the sun is, is trying new things on. We, we may be rejecting some things. So this is kind of, I feel like this full moon is about who are we and who are we not. And this could happen in various areas of your life, depending on where this axis is in your chart. Uh, but hopefully you've gotten a little bit clearer about what is worth standing your ground uh, over and what you need to just kind of let go and, and experience maybe a, I don't know, even a humbling, so to speak, or perhaps a defeat. Remember the first card in Aquarius was defeat. And then we are kind of going off in search for some new territory. And as, as the sun moves from Aquarius into Pisces, that new territory that we're moving into may be uh, spiritual territory where the material reality didn't quite match up with what we wanted. So now we have to go internal and, and see, search out new imaginal realms and, and uh, perhaps find a new vision that will give us, uh, that will help us regain our hope. I think that's something that I've been seeing over the last week or so here, know, last few weeks. Uh, in America, at least the news cycle has been pretty pretty heavy. Uh, we had our impeachment stuff. Uh, we've had, uh, what else is going on? I don't know, Kobe died. That was a bummer. Um, I don't know, those two things aren't necessarily equal in terms of like historical significance, but we've just had some really heavy stuff that we've been dealing with. We've had the kind of the uh, the democratic democratic primaries and all the challenges going on with Mercury there, and I, I guess personally, my own personal feelings is just just feels really heavy and a lot of, a lot of conflict in the news and things like that. It's just the uh, it, you can feel the weight of Saturn uh, going on right now, and I think as we move into Pisces season and finish off Aquarius season, we're going to be saying, well. Uh, that's not who we are. Uh, so who are we? And really going off in search and figuring out who we are again as a collective, not just as individuals, but as a collective. How do we define ourselves in this new reality? And that could come through just some disappointment. Um, so the first thing that we look at here as the moon is moving into Virgo is that we talked about that escaping the bond type of energy. And the moon is going to escape the bond roughly at uh, about mm, six degrees of Virgo or so. Yeah, about six degrees, because you can see that that's going to be around 15 degrees of separation between the opposition to the sun. Okay, so you can see here I've got an eight degree Virgo moon, and it has escaped from the bond. It has escaped from ca captivity. The term associated with that, uh, the Greek term was called sundesmos, which means union or fastened. Uh, this is something I am, I'm referencing from Demetra George's really awesome book, Ancient Astrology and Theory and Practice, Volume 1, Planetary Condition. Hopefully, uh, Volume 2 is coming out soon. I'm really, really curious to, to read that, and hopefully everything is going well with that. Aaron, Aaron Cheek uh, of... Um, Oh man, I don't remember his publishing company, but he's he's one of the publishers and he's an awesome dude. And if he's listening, I hope everything's going well 
and really looking forward to that book and, and Demetra looking forward to your book. You're, you're uh, one of my heroes anyway. So <laughs> just a little digression. Uh, but as we escape the bond here, uh, the, it says the, she says significations are restrained or held captive, uh, similar to being under the beams. Firmicus Maternus says that the moon in opposition signifies uh, contrarity and its cause. Okay, so that's interesting, contrarity and its cause. So we're thinking about what is, what is really the cause of our uncomfortable feelings and the, the feelings of being the outsider, right? And as we go through um, the, we're, we're, she, uh, Firmicus also says, look to the moon's domicile, Lord, to find the cause and, and the topics of rebellion. So in this case, we look to the sun uh, as the domicile lord to find the topic of the rebellion. So look in the, the Aquarius-ruled area of your chart to find what topic may be causing this, like, this difficulty, okay? Uh, but as we escape the bond, I'm going to clear my drawing here. The first aspect generally is going to give us the, the vibe here. And sometimes, and they talk about, is it aspecting, is the moon going to be assisted or is it going to be debilitated by uh, either a malefic or a benefic planet? Now, I don't know specifically if they talk about Mercury being the first contact, but I'm just going to make an assumption here that Mercury still counts if that's the one that it makes first contact with. Uh, otherwise, we're, we're talking about a, uh, a trine with Jupiter, I think here, but Let's go with this Mercury because that's going to be the first aspect after it um, escapes the bond. And this is a Mercury that is the host of the moon. Okay, so we have got the sign of, of Virgo here, uh, which is the domicile of Mercury coming in opposition with its host in its fallen exile. Okay, so to me, that, that this could be something where we have some communication errors, we have some. Uh, some real conflict between the details and the bigger picture of our thinking. We have emotional cloudy thinking. We have uh, something where we're trying to bring something into manifestation, but it has to go through all these layers and layers and layers of uh, in intuition of perhaps, uh, you know, being in the, you know, Mercury is kind of taking a journey through the underworld right now too. So, it's almost like Mercury is underground, and it's very difficult to, to reach uh, Mercury with a clear signal. It's like we're out of, out of uh, cell phone reception with Mercury right now. So that, that could cause some difficulties. Think about the challenges that you, if we modernize it a little bit, the challenges you get when you go off grid and you don't have cell phone reception anymore and all the, uh, the, the problems that that could create because we've become uh, used to and reliant on that service providing guidance for us, like with GPS. It's like we don't have contact with our own uh, GPS system right now, or it's fuzzy, or it's just really on the fritz. So we could see some, some, some of those types of things happening as the moon escapes the bond. Um, the moon is going to be making an opposition to Mercury, right, uh, at 9.50 a.m. So that, this might be Monday morning. We're experiencing some of these, these kind of glitches, errors that are, that are related to this, this full moon opposition, okay? As we click the chart forward a little bit, next, next aspect we're going to be seeing okay, is a trine with Jupiter. So around 7.54 p.m. or so, we're going to see the trine happening with the moon and Jupiter. So that's a little bit better aspect. Uh, 
although I will say that it isn't just happening in a vacuum. Uh, we've got a trine between Jupiter and the moon, but we also have an opposition with Neptune. So as it, as it escapes that very confusing, uh, glitchy opposition with a fallen host, it then comes in contact with the planet that dissolves things, that the planet that confuses things even further, uh, that is associated with trying to transcend something and perhaps blend things together in, into this soup of like, oh, I don't know, illusion. Uh, so, so be very careful of that too, that, uh, that any action that you're trying to take based on being expansive with Jupiter here uh, isn't coming into contact with some kind of illusionary quality when it's making contact with Neptune. And remember, this, this Jupiter is hosting both of these planets, Mercury and Neptune, in uh, Pisces. So not a, not a happy host either. So yeah, we're going to be trying to get down to, to um, reality, tr down to the practical details, but there's going to be something that's going to be kind of still bringing a lot of um, muck and mish mishmash to it all. Uh, Pisces to me is like, if I think about what Pisces season is like around where I live, and this is may not be exactly true in your region, but here in the, the upper Midwest of the United States, it's kind of that transition period between the, the winter thaw and the, uh, the, the springtime. And it gets really like the snow starts to melt. There's mud everywhere. It, it, there has to be this like primordial soup that is, becomes fertile eventually. Um, but it's just kind of a mess. It's kind of a merging together of all the crap, of all the decaying matter from the previous season that is eventually going to fuel the new growth that happens in spring. But during Pisces season itself, it's just this big cauldron of, of muck. Um, and this could be kind of what we're experiencing internally or externally as well. It's just kind of this feeling of, of I don't know, uh, undifferentiated <laughs> muck soup. <laughs> like, so, uh, yeah, Monday morning, folks. I don't know, try to drink some extra coffee maybe and double check all your details. Uh, the other thing that we're seeing is that Mercury is going to be moving into the second decan of Pisces. I didn't mention this like uh, Venus-Chiron conjunction here. That happens a little bit earlier in the morning. I'll give that a, just a brief treatment here. Um, generally, Chiron was a, a, an asteroid that was associated with the wounded healer, with a, a centaur that had received a wound that couldn't, could never be healed. Chiron was a teacher, it was a musician, was an herbalist. Um, but this, a lot of the significations that I read with Chiron is we, we have this wound that we, um, we, can, we can't heal, but we use that, uh, that, that wound to, to try to heal others or to teach others about that. So it may be a sore spot that we have that we're trying to help others uh, maybe not make the same mistake, or uh, I believe there's some literature that talks about Chiron being a, an area of your chart where you can help others, but you can't, it's, it's a blind spot that you have for yourself. It's difficult to, for you to heal yourself, but it may be something where you have a special ability to, to help others. Um, 
Now, we look at a, an exiled Venus and this uh, asteroid coming together. This could be where we have a very painful, wounding conversation in a, in a relationship that needs healing. Eventually, that, that hopefully, uh, something may come out into the open that, that, that uh, the painful exercise may eventually lead to a later healing. Um, so, so that's what I think with that. I think that just be very careful that in your relationships, you're not using um, swords when you should be using uh, laurel branches, right? Uh, this could be kind of a confrontational aspect and you have to be real careful that you're not trying to create unity by getting very fixated in your own very subjective perspective. You may think that you're reaching out to somebody, but you may be really blinded a little bit by your own will. Um, and that could create a, a little bit of a painful experience. Okay, so that is uh, my very, very brief description of that aspect. Because, you know, I don't do, if I, if I start bringing in asteroids here, <laughs> we'll be here for like four or five hours. I think I already try to cover enough things in these, these forecasts. Um, yeah, it's interesting with all the Pisces stuff going on. Uh, that uh, we're blending all these details together. A person like myself that has a lot of Virgo placements uh, trying to work with a fallen Mercury here. Uh, yeah, we may go on a little winding adventure <laughs> this video, so we'll see how that all works out. But really what we're trying to get, it, get, get down to is essence, right? Uh, and that is a nice little segue to Mercury moving into the second decan of Pisces. This was associated with the Nine of Cups. And in the Rider Weight deck, I'll show you this, uh, this real quick. Okay, you can see in the Rider Weight deck, we have a figure that is seated with Nine Cups behind him. He looks very satisfied, like he's achieved something uh, of value, um, or it could be a smugness, perhaps. Uh, this is the Jupiter-ruled Deccan of Pisces, and I think that we have to see it in context. Okay, if we look at the three cards, we're going to it's going to tell us a story. All right, last week we talked about the Saturn ruled Deccan of Mercury in Pisces, right? Uh, Pisces in general, where we see a figure leaving material things behind, off in search of some kind of spiritual reality. This was a Saturn ruled Deccan, so we're getting coming to terms with the limitations of of physical life. You know, remember this followed the uh, that Seven of Swords, where we were escaping from something and venturing off into the unknown. Now, what we're trying to do here, this is a little bit more, an, an, a little bit easier Deccan than the first Deccan because the first Deccan was Saturn ruled. We're coming to terms with limitations. In the second Deccan, it's Jupiter ruled, and that's a toast. So when you have a, a, an agreement with the Deccan, the face ruler, and its host, and it is of the, the nature of similar nature of the host or is the host, uh, that can be a little bit more uh, pleasant waters to traverse. Um, this card was called Happiness, uh, or Lord of Material Happiness. Um, Austin Coppett calls this the net, uh, which I, I think, from my understanding, is sort of like the matrix, where we're going into the matrix, and we are learning about how do we become like, like Neo, right? How, how do we kind of um, start to use our, um, our minds and our imaginations to create and to manipulate reality. And this comes from a spiritual perspective. And remember, Neo was the one. And he, he was the one that, that woke up to the, the, the quote-unquote spiritual reality of the matrix. And that when he, was, when he became 
awakened, he was able to kind of start manipulating that world rather than just be subjected to it. And I think that that really is a good way of thinking about the second decan of Pisces is we're, we're sort of awakening to a new spiritual reality. And this is where we do get into kind of the, uh, you know, creative visualization, um, manifestation magic, I guess, where your, your thoughts are creating your reality, your ability to, to dive into your soul and bring something out and, and to reconcile your idealism, Jupiter, with the reality of your life, okay? So, and, and one of the things I like that Austin says in his book is that we see in material happiness the results of being able to harmonize your idealism and material reality. But more this decan can be likened to the process of doing it. It's not just the result, it's the process of that harmonization. Um, he talks about following the Tao or the way, right? And, and the Tao, this is something that I, I'm interested in studying. I'm not an expert by any means, but I have an appreciation for Taoist philosophy. And mostly my understanding of this is, is it's, it's following the ways of nature. It's following the, the river. It's uh, instead of paddling upstream, it's, it's allowing the current to take you in the direction of the flow uh, and getting into that flow state where you are um, one with the universe, right? And one with the, the energy and the, um, well, I don't know, the, the direction that the wind is blowing, so to speak. So I think that this is, this is what we're experiencing with Mercury moving through this deck in here. Um, we're trying to return from some of those spiritual wanderings, right? We're trying to bring back something of value to the world and manifest it from that journey, from that maybe confusing journey that we went through last decade with like when Austin Coppock calls it the, the labyrinth, right? The labyrinth of our soul. Uh, it's not just some, you know, random maze. This is our inner reality. Remember, this is a Jupiter ruled sign and Jupiter was trying to, to um, bring us to some sort of heightened consciousness, some sort of uh, confirming some sort of reality. And this is the nocturnal domicile of Jupiter, where we are trying to figure out what our belief systems are, but on a soul level, on an internal level, on a spiritual level, rather than this diurnal Jupiter in Sagittarius, where we're trying to manifest those things physically and take action on those belief systems, right? The, the visible actions, the visible beliefs, Okay, these are, this is much more the private dream that you have, but still very similar. It's still about belief. It's still about hope. Okay. Um, now, the, the, another little story, and I'm just I'm riffing off of his book. Is I just think it's such a good book. Uh, I know my teacher, Achutababa, said that he's like a cover artist when it comes to a lot of his astrology, and I, I feel the same way. Like, you find someone who does some really great work, and you want to just share it with the world, and and obviously give them uh, their due. And hopefully by speaking about this, I'm, I'm you know, turning some of you on to his great work. So please visit his, his website as well. And, and I'm sure that his book is being republished too. And it's a, it's a really great resource. Uh, now, one of the things he talks about in this particular chapter is uh, the, that when things manifest in the material form, they can never be as perfect as the idealized form. 
And that could be some of the, the disappointment that we are experiencing, uh, especially with Pisces. We, we have this uh, desire to, to bring something into being, but uh, it is always going to be uh, a falsehood compared to the, the, the truth of the idealized form. So, and that's just, that's just, you know, being human and being alive and being on this material existence is we have flaws. We have the, the, the universal law of entropy. We, things are born and then they decay. Uh, they don't stay the same way forever. And that, that can be painful because we, as human beings, have an awareness of this that I'm not sure that other forms of consciousness do. Some may. Uh, we, we, because we aren't them, we can't know for sure. But uh, I know that we experience that as human beings. Um, so yes, Venus, I'm sorry, Mercury generally is associated with things like commerce, right? With communication, uh, with sports. Uh, that was, it was one of the traditional rulers of, of athletics, which is kind of neat. Uh, and Mercury maybe, you know, hearing this kind of siren song where we're being drawn off of the path of, of, of being able to use our discrimination in the most positive sense of the word. Sometimes it is, is necessary to be able to discriminate between things and put them into the proper categories so that we can organize our lives. And Mercury right now is, is not able to do that very well because uh, he's traveling through this, this area of the zodiac that is very much concerned with merging with spiritual reality and merging with our higher selves and merging with an idealization rather than that physical manifestation. Um, and this could be where we run into the issues. That's why I say we're, when we communicate, uh, we're not able to bring words to our thoughts at this time. Uh, this, was, this was a great time to communicate through nonverbal communication, through maybe knowing glances, through intuition, through music. This is, this is a kind of uh, music or poetry type of thing where we're really communicating through metaphor and essence. So if you are the type of person that speaks in, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm reminded of like the, the movie Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, right? And uh, the main character, I don't, his name is, I'm, uh, what is it? <laughs> I don't remember his, his name. Um, Flint Lockwood. <laughs> Flint Lockwood. Is that his name? Yeah. I, I can only hear uh, Mr. T's character going, Flint Lockwood, you know, like, which is, um, but Flint Lockwood, his father was a fisherman and he would communicate his love for his son and his teachings to him in fishing metaphors. And I think that that's kind of how we're going to be communicating with one another in the, in the coming weeks is we can't just say, I love you. We've got to be like, you know, uh, I don't know, you, you only catch the, <laughs> the, the salmon with the right hook or whatever. And we, we're going to have to like kind of, that, and th that can be really beautiful. At the same time, it could be like, you could be walking around like Flint Lockwood being like, I, I don't, this is not, you're not speaking my language. I don't know about fishing. Okay. So that's something to watch out for as we move through this period of time. All right, let's look at our chart again. All right. Let's go to Tuesday and look at Tuesday morning. 
Tuesday, the 11th, the moon is going to be moving through the last degrees of Virgo and then uh, moving into a trine with the sun uh, in Libra at 6.37 p.m. And this is where we begin our disseminating phase. Now, the disseminating phase of the moon is as we move forward into the, with the moon coming into the trine with Libra, right? Okay. That's why we've got a harmonization with the lights, right? We have a, a, a beneficial aspect here, which is of the nature of Jupiter. So this could be where we are disseminating our whatever we learned at the opposition, okay? Whatever we initiated at the new moon, okay? We learned, we, we had an impulse at the new moon. We had to bring it into manifestation. We had challenges to bring it into manifestation at the first quarter. Then we had the fruit of that cycle at the opposition. And now we are distributing that out into the world. We're, we're eating the fruit, so to speak, or giving it away or whatever it is. And this is a, an aspect where we're kind of maybe weighing some of the relationships that we uh, are a part of in our life with this moon in Libra, right? So uh, we are trying to weigh and balance um, how well we were able to define ourselves personally and as part of a collective. Uh, and, and I think that this is where we get back into equilibrium if we kind of got off track during that full moon where we're starting to come back into balance and say, you know what? Yes, this is who I am or, or this is who I am not. And I'm finally coming to terms and accepting that and moving forward into whatever new reality that that has created for me. Okay, so that is our disseminating phase. The moon will be making a trine with Pluto before that happens. Okay, so we've got a trine with Pluto and then we've got a trine with Saturn. So before we get to the Libra moon, that Virgo moon is going to have to reckon with these two planets here. Now it is a trine. So that is a little bit more of a harmonious conversation between the two of them, but this may still bring up some deep feelings and some feelings of limitation, but we may be able to work within those limitations. I think that when we see harmonious aspects like trines and sextiles with planets like a Saturn, uh, I always like to think of that as like, yep, this is the reality of our situation. Now, what do we do about it? We're not you know, trying to, we, we've gotten past the illusion that we had. We got our reality check. And now it's like, all right, we're going to work within that limitation and we're going to manifest maybe from a lowered position, maybe from uh, a new humbled position, but then we get to work through and bring things into being from, from that position. Or, or since the moon is waning, we get to let go of some preconceived notion that we had so that we are more in alignment with reality, Saturn, necessity a non-K, all of those things. All right. Uh, the, so we're going to see the trine to Pluto at 8.35 a.m., the trine to Saturn at 12.37 p.m., and then we have a square from the moon to Mars at 26 degrees Sagittarius. So this could also be a little bit spicy before we get to that moon trine. 
okay, where the details are get, coming into contact with this Mars. On, it's very, this stronger Mars on its own terms, right? Uh, where we're saying, okay, how do the details fit into this, this willpower, this action that we want to take? And there may be a little bit of a trying to do too much kind of experience with this where your, your vision and your, your, your desire to take action is a little bit bigger than this moon in Virgo wants to is able to bring into being because it's it's trying to parse things out into categories it's trying to focus on the tinier little portions of things and you know mars like let's just do all of it right now and that moon is like no let's uh let's work within the limits that we've got okay so be careful of that uh let's see rolling along wednesday the 12th On Wednesday the 12th, we just have a couple uh, lunar aspects. Okay, we're going to have an opposition with that moon, that newly ingressed moon into Libra with Venus and Aries. And then we're going to have a square with that moon to Jupiter in Capricorn. So this is a little bit of a, a mini, a mini cardinal T square here, uh, which is not always fun. Those can bring out a lot of tension. There can be a lot of competing uh, desires with this aspect of for Tuesday. I'm sorry, Wednesday, the the uh, February twelfth. Um, let's unpack it. We have a the. Venus hosting the moon from her position of her exile, which is very similar to the aspect that we had with the full moon, with the moon being hosted by an exiled sun. So here the moon, what does the moon want to bring into being? The moon wants to bring harmony into being, right? Being in the sign of Libra. But its host is all it's the hostess has is swords and shields and weapons and willpower and you know battle plans. Um so, and this is coming into contact with our fallen Jupiter here too, or maybe we, this could, could be where we come in contact with a teacher that is potentially abusing power or is uh, maybe a little bit too ambitious or some kind of religious figure, something like that. Uh, this, this could be something where we experience some fallout from that and some sort of tension with that. Um, this may be a, a diff, it may be a difficult time to balance out your desires, Venus, with desire and a partnership. Okay, and we're going to have to reconcile those things, and that's going to create some tension. Um, I think that my advice on that, though, is that this these types of things happen all the time, and we go through periods of flow, and we go through periods of of friction and and conflict. And they are all part of a bigger cycle. And sometimes that friction and that uh, feeling of limitation or the, the no is uh, necessary to bring something either into manifestation or for growth. So that, that may be what we're experiencing here on Wednesday the 12th. On Thursday the 13th, let's move forward. Okay, Thursday the 13th. Uh-huh. The moon's going to be moving from Libra into Scorpio at 7.37 p.m. We've still got our disseminating phase. 9.20 a.m. 
the moon makes the square to Pluto. Uh, so you could see that this is still part of this cardinal T-square thing that we've got going on here. And remember, even though we're you know, out of perfection or out of the exact opposition between the moon and Venus, it's still active by whole sign, right? So it's still part of this T-square, but the tension may start to hopefully alleviate, but it's going to be a different type of thing. We're going to see this kind of gauntlet that the moon's going to run via square. So our relationships are coming into contact with all this Capricorn stuff, which is, you know, really being ruled by Saturn here very strongly with it being in its own domicile. So what could we say when we see Jupiter, Pluto, and Saturn all right in a row? Okay, so maybe you have the moon it, who is trying to create harmony coming into a conflict with Jupiter that wants to uh, expand, uh, but does not completely have the resources that it needs to enact the vision appropriately. So there may be some frustration with a, a lack of resources that you have uh, potentially in a partnership as well that may lead to an examination of the depths, Pluto, okay, uh, of, of where the corruption is happening. Why don't we have these resources, right? What, what is the, what, maybe what is the, uh, the excess that needs to go? What, what is the, the system that is, that is dysfunctional that needs to be worked through as a, as a, uh, a dyad, right? As a, as a partnership. And then we can come in contact with uh, the limitations and maybe, maybe we can build something that is uh, more appropriate with the resources that we have, or we can say, you know what, uh, let's downsize together. Okay, this may be the conversation that you have with your partner where you're like, I want something really bad, but then Saturn comes along and says, nope, you can't have it. Uh, they start singing that Rolling Stone song. You can't always get what you want, but if you try sometimes, you get what you need. And like I said, this may be rooted in a conflict between our own personal desire and a very subjective desire and something that we may need to compromise with. Okay. Uh, so. As the moon moves through uh, Libra, we do see a sextile, though, from Mars. So that is the one positive helper, helper right now. So Mars will be helping out. Mars will be like, hey, we believe in this, right? We both believe in this together. Maybe there is a shared belief system that you can take action on, okay? That is a the sextile here of the nature of Venus where you agree on. So figure out what you can agree on and try not to get fixated on the lack of resources that you may be experiencing or on the limitations. So I think this could be one thing where you, you're taking an action based on a shared belief um, that could possibly also be uh, related to some sort of downsizing or limit in your life. Okay, see how we do that? Okay, when we move into uh, Scorpio, most of the aspects are going to be happening Friday. So we see the moon moving into its fall as we move into Scorpio. Okay, so here is Friday, the 14th, Valentine's Day. Ooh, this is a, whoops, this is a, uh, a sexy moon for Valentine's Day. I don't know if that's the right word. But like, um, 
I would say a couple of manifestations of this, right? We're going to be seeing an opposition uh, of the moon to Uranus. We are going to be seeing uh, a trine from the moon. Oops, that is the weirdest opposition sign. Sorry. And let's just get rid of that. Pew. Okay, you get it. It's an opposition. Uh, we're going to be seeing a trine to Mercury, a fallen Mercury, and then a sextile to Jupiter. Right? So if we, if we go through this timeline, we've got this happening very early in the morning, the opposition to Uranus. So this may be something we feel late Thursday as it perfects. Okay. And then uh, by 4.42 p.m., we have the trine to Mercury, 11.51 p.m., the sextile to Jupiter. So we may have some sort of shock that comes up uh, with the moon making an opposition to Uranus. Um, I would say also be careful about getting fixated on a problem. Potentially this, you know, we could be experiencing some jealousy with the, the moon in Scorpio on Valentine's Day or some, maybe some disappointment. Uh, with the way that it's going, um, it could also be we have some desire that is very, uh, mm, I don't know, could be, <laughs> I guess the word that just keeps coming back is lusty. So be careful that your passions, your passions don't get you into trouble because that could be uh, something that could create some tension with this moon in Scorpio um, and some confusion when it's making contact with Mercury. I, I think that the other thing I would say is, uh, this could be the, like, this is an interesting thing that's coming up. I'm very giggly today. I think this is what Mercury and Pisces does to us, get a little giggly. Um, the moon making contact with this Mercury. This could be like, like let's say you're in middle school or elementary school. And I don't know, back, back when I was in elementary and middle school, we always had to like make Valentines for everybody. And let's say you make a Valentine for someone, but you don't leave your name on it, right? You forget to sign your name, but you have this long speech or something that you put on there, this big flowery poem, but you forget to sign your name and you're like, oh, I hope that she responds, <laughs> right? But if you don't sign your name, there's no way that she's going to know it was from you. So you could be sitting there thinking like, oh, I poured my heart out to this person but why aren't they responding? And it could be just because you forgot the very simple detail of signing your name. That just seems like one possible, you know, metaphorical type of energy we could see with the moon uh, in its fall, making contact with Mercury in its fall. You could have this really passionate feeling, but there's some disconnect that's happening uh, potentially with, uh, you know, communication and romantic feelings on this Valentine's Day, which I will admit is not necessarily my favorite holiday. Uh, it's, it's one of those Hallmark holidays where I think it was literally created by some corporate greeting card company. And they couldn't have picked like the worst time to do it, like this super sterile, like Aquarius sun time. <laughs> like, I mean, every once in a while we'll get Venus and Pisces uh, where that makes some nice things. But I think that if you really wanted this, this kind of, uh, you know, beautiful time for valentine's day they should have waited to pisces season or just like timed it to venus going into pisces but i don't know how they do that because i don't think that we make holidays based on astrology unless 
you go way back into pagan Europe when they definitely did. Okay. Let's see. Where are we at? We're on Friday. So moving to Saturday, uh, we are going to be moving through the last degrees of that Scorpio moon. Uh, it does finally escape its fall uh, on, on, around 11.06 p.m. Uh, but what we do see on Saturday is the perfection of our first, I'm sorry, our last quarter moon. So you could see that the moon is coming into square with the sun. And this is an important part of our lunar cycle. This is one of our kind of conditions of phasis, right? Where we're having, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a more of a tense point in the, in the lunar cycle where we have some sort of internal crisis. Remember at the first quarter moon, we had some sort of external crisis. At the last quarter moon, we have some sort of turning away from what, what we knew and what we thought we believed and questioning things. And we may have some crisis of consciousness and it may come from your uh, Scorpio domicile house and your Aquarius house. So some kind of challenge that is happening. Remember, these were the natures of Mars. There could be some kind of separation. You may be leaving something behind that is triggered by your uh, Scorpio house and it's helping you to leave whatever is behind in this Aquarius sun house here. Um, at 1.24 a.m., the moon will be making a trine to Neptune. This could be the, you know, the, I don't know, the aftermath of our, of our Valentine's Day uh, where we're in a beautiful dream, perhaps. Um, at 12.20 p.m., around lunchtime, it will make a sextile to Pluto, uh, and then at 5.17 p.m. is when we have our square to the sun. Um, 5.19 p.m., the moon will be sextiling Saturn at 26 degrees. So really, when we talk about this last quarter moon, if we try to think about this uh, holistically, we have Saturn trying to help. Okay, Saturn is making a sextile just as the moon is squaring the sun. So really when we have a planet that's participating with a positive um, testimony, we look to that planet to be like, all right, what do we need to do to break this stalemate and to break this friction? So in this case, we need to Saturn up. We need to like come to terms with the reality of our situation. We need to work within the limits that we have. We need to be able to dismantle any structures that aren't working for us anymore, or in contrast, build something that is a reflection of our new, perhaps, less um, abundant reality. I think that because it is a waning, a waning uh, last quarter square, it's probably about what needs to go. Okay. Um, so, so think about that on Friday, on Friday and Saturday is what, how can you be mature about what needs to leave your life and what needs to be consolidated? And I do think that Saturn rewards hard work, uh, coming to terms with something, uh, delayed gratification. This is a, a big one with Saturn, is, is really understanding that the work you do today may not pay off today, but eventually 
you will see the fruits of that in time. Saturn delays success, whether in the birth chart or by transit. Okay, so, uh, but some people who have very prominent Saturns, um, they have a lot of success, but later in life. So that's that's the delayed gratification type of energy. This is why we associate it with like elder elders and whatnot, because you know so we can come into more of a, a, I don't know, perhaps we come into power with Saturn sometimes later in life. All right. The other thing that's interesting uh, is that on Saturday the 15th, now this isn't something that we normally hear about, but I wanted to mention it because I thought it was interesting. We have this thing called a Contra Antitia happening between the sun and Uranus. And this is kind of a secret opposition, but it's secret. Now, a contra Antitia. Antitia was when we had equal amount of light on either side of the solstices, the winter and the summer solstice. So like Gemini and Cancer, uh, we're in Antitia with one another, which is like a secret conjunction. And the way that we figure this out is we have to add up the degrees of each sign to 30. Now the Contra Antitia is about, I believe, the ascensional times of a sign on either side of the equinoxes. So this is something where we are seeing a secret opposition between these because of this essential time nature. Uh, now, in the traditional literature, they associated contraantitias with the concept of these signs hearing one another. We had this kind of, these terms were called uh, commanding and obeying. So in this case, Taurus is the one that is commanding, Aquarius is the one that is obeying. Now, I am not an expert on this concept. I just thought it was sort of interesting. So I'm doing the best that I can with with this particular concept, but it's, it bears further research. Okay, we're just testing stuff out here. Um, but we could see something from the Taurus ruled area of your chart that is disrupting. I'm feeling a little bit like a solar Urana Uranian opposition type of thing, some sort of shocking thing that is potentially could be related to uh, some news that you hear, like a rumor or an announcement. This was something that they talked about with uh, commanding and obeying si signs with, you know, th this kind of secret opposition with this contra antitia was, you know, some sort of message that is kind of shocking that you may hear on Saturday, but it may be hidden, maybe from like something behind the scenes. It may not be like super out in front. It may be something like in your private life or happening behind the scenes of your life. So, I guess keep your eyes out for that and tell me in the comments if you have anything like that, if this plays out for you, because I'd be very curious to hear how that works for you. All right. Still with me. Let's get through it. We got one more day. Okay. All right. On Sunday, on Sunday, we have... Um, a planetary ink. Sunday's the big day, really. We had a little bit of a quieter week moving up to this, I think, besides all the, the lunar T-square stuff. 
but Sunday is where we're getting some movement, some planetary movement. And the first thing that we see is that Mars is moving out of its con peregrine condition in Sagittarius and into its exaltation. So this is a place of honor for Mars. And you can think about this as like a four-star general, right? Mars becomes, Mars gains rank. Mars is, is at the top of the wheel of fortune now and able to do martial things uh, a lot easier and be honored for them uh, than, than he could when he was in the sign of Sagittarius uh, being uh, provided for by a fallen Jupiter. Now, this is going to be, this may be a really spicy Mars. And why do I say that? Because Mars is sitting at the table with its host, Saturn, in its own domicile. So this is super powerful, exalted Mars. Um, we were, we've, we've explored this Deccan in the past with uh, when we saw the, our, our other Capricorn planets moving through this, but this was the Two of Pentacles. You can see in my little window here, we've got that figure that's juggling two pentacles. And this Deccan uh, in 36 Faces um, was called a headless body uh, or harmonious change in the book, book of Toth. Um, now, the way that it's described in Austin's work is that we are trying to, and in Alistair Crowley's work, is that we're, this is a Deccan that's associated with trying to figure out where to build our empire, so to speak, with um, changes of location. So if we are extrapolating that out with Mars, we could have our willpower and our action uh, impulse being directed towards finding the most fortuitous uh, place to start building, right? And we could also see a separation, perhaps, from a, you know, some sort of physical place also in search of somewhere new. This is like the strategy. This is where Mars becomes the strategist, the long-term strategist. Remember, I just talked about delayed gratification. So Mars becomes less impulsive in Capricorn. Mars becomes able to see a, a little bit of a bigger picture and to, uh, you can imagine, uh, instead of Mars in Sagittarius being like a knight on a, a jousting horse riding off very like charge you know like i like mars now is like like i said the general sitting at the war table or i don't know if that's the proper term for it, the war table or in the war room so to speak with a big map in front of him and he's pushing around little pieces and says we're going to move this army over to this area we're going to put forces over here. We're going to climb to maybe a higher position on this hill over here. It's all about strategic thinking. And uh, you can see this with like, well, I don't know, I, I watch a lot of sports. And during the draft, they have what's called the war room in like the NBA or the NFL draft or whatever. And there's always these big boards where they're trying to figure out where certain players are going to be picked. And they're making all these strategies and they, they've prepared for this by doing a lot of analysis ahead of time. So we may feel like we're in that war room of a, of a draft or of a actual war room where we're trying to figure out our next move, our next chess move basically. And it's, this is going to be related to all these Capricorn stuff that we've been dealing with with Saturn here and whatnot. So my advice with this is that if you wanna use Mars effectively here, uh, I think it's important to 
uh, direct your energy towards the long term, towards building, figuring out where you want to build. Because as we move towards uh, the second decan, that's when we're going to be really making plans uh, and coming into power in the third decan, right? Um, so I believe that that maximum degree of exaltation what is it? I think it's 28 degrees. I, I, somebody check me on that, but I, I believe it's 28 degrees Capricorn, um, 27, 28 degrees. Uh, so we're, we're getting there. The, the thing that's going to happen first, though, is Mars is going to make contact with the south node. So something may have to leave first before we are able to put our plan into place. So just be careful with that because we're going to be building up towards Mars conjoining the south node. And that's where we could. Uh, ironically lose a little bit of our willpower because it, it, that's a draining influence okay um all right so if i look at my notes master strategist a general overseeing battle one interesting thing to think about with mars in capricorn is it, it says that uh i've been taught that mars exalts where death and darkness is at its most powerful uh, because we have saturn here, which is associated with death, darkness, the winter time, and Mars is a malefic. That's it's uh, part, kind of the antithesis of of life. It, it wants to separate from life. Uh, so Mars is, is rejoicing basically in this in this time of year, which is all about separation, all about death, and all about uh, release. Um, so that is some way to think about that. The opposite is also true. Jupiter has its exaltation or is kind of it's at its happiest in the sign of cancer where things are being brought into being. You know, Jupiter ruled children and childbearing and, and birth and growth. And in the middle of summer, everything is growing. Like cancer season is all about, you know, the birds and the bees and, and uh, leaves and the trees and the flowers. And, and Jupiter is very happy there. This is why we see Jupiter is not happy in Saturn's sign because it wants growth. It wants expansion. It wants life. And it's all it's being given right now is death. <laughs> so like, I know that's a little bit of a bummer, but that's, that's just the reality that we're dealing with right now. So uh, if you are trying to expand things in your life, this isn't the greatest time period. If you're trying to get rid of stuff, this is an awesome time. If you're trying to release an old habit, if you're trying to get rid of stuff in your house that doesn't really serve you anymore, if you're trying to get rid of an old relationship that, that just isn't working, if you're trying to get rid of a, a job or something that you just feel you've outgrown, uh, if you're trying to trim your budget because you've got just a lot of fat, uh, that, that is what is really supported here. And I think that if we really understand what the, the time period is calling for, we can flow with it like the Tao, like that Mercury in the Tao says, right? We flow with it rather than resist it. And I, I can't say it enough, but we are not in a reality of unlimited growth. That may be a spiritual reality, but that is not a physical reality. Does that make sense? Like when we, we, we may have limitless ability to imagine things, but this manifestation plane has limitations. We are born and we die. You know, plants grow and then they die and the cycle continues and continues. And we just have to get more comfortable as human beings with the cycles of, of decay. Uh, I think that when I was, I mean, I have a Taurus moon and like 
Now I like growth. I like, I, I feel comfortable with growth. I was never comfortable with death for a long time. And I've been getting saturned pretty hard. Like I, I have a cancer son and all this jazz over here is opposing it. And it's like, how can you, Mr. Cancer <laughs> Taurus Mood, which is a very fertile combination, right? It's all about growth and nurturing. How do you get comfortable, buddy, with death and decay and entropy? And then the answer is very slowly <laughs> with difficulty, but uh, it's, it's such a learning process, right? And this may be true for, for all of you too. Some of you may be more or less comfortable with death, you know? So, and I think if we come to terms with it, that's when we really appreciate the cycles of life and the cycles of growth. I think that this is one thing that I love about being a Midwesterner. We have all four seasons here and no offense to all of you in like California or Florida or whatever, but if that's all you've experienced, that endless summer, sometimes it just becomes, uh, it's hard. Sometimes it'd be harder to appreciate it and you can get numb to it. And that, that's why I think that uh, I talked about this with my partner who's from California and talked about why we have, they have all these, maybe all these people that dress a lot younger than they, than they should if they're older or whatever because they just don't have that experience of time. They don't have experience, that cyclical experience of time. And I think it can be really easy just to numb out with it. I mean, I was on the way home the other day, I was listening to a radio and like Jimmy Buffett came on. He's like the ultimate like Florida Keys guy where you're just sitting around with a margarita and just, uh, I don't know, waiting to die. <laughs> I don't know if that's really true or not, but it's just you're numbing, you're zoning out, you're numbing out. And when we experience the seasons and we experience contrast, I think that's when we can really appreciate things. And hopefully for those of you who, who do live in those warm places, recognize that that is a gift and you know, experience like you know, appreciation for that. And those of us who are stuck in the heavy winters here uh, realize that the spring will come and that that is just, that's, that has made you who you are and your resilience, your resiliency is probably one of your greatest gifts. And I think that that is very neat uh, and part of, our characters as people who grow up in in a place where it's maybe a little bit less um, hospitable it toughens us up a little bit, which I think is is not necessarily a bad thing. Okay, uh, at six o five p.m., this the moon is going to be trining uh, Venus at ten degrees from Sagittarius, so we may have a little boost of wanting to take action. Just be careful that that your actions that you take aren't due to desires that may not be completely good for you. You've got a powerful Mars now um, aspecting Venus, right? By via square. So it's a little bit more of a contentious relationship between Mars and uh, Venus with providing, although Mars is in much better shape. So Mars is providing from a, a much more position of power, but it's a little bit more of a, a difficulty getting those resources to Venus rather than when it was in Sagittarius and there was a trine aspect. The, uh, those two things were in agreement before and now there's a square between them. Okay, now here's the big thing of the week that we've been kind of uh, working up towards. Okay, uh, the Mercury retrograde. And this is going to happen at 7.54 p.m. And 
and bless you, God bless you if you if you've made it this far with my ramblings. <laughs> I know some of these are longer than others. I'm gonna blame Mercury and Pisces for this one, but let's take a look at it together. So here at about roughly seven or eight p.m., Mercury goes retrograde at twelve degrees of Pisces. Now, how do we impact that? So first of all. Mercury has, Mercury does this regularly. Mercury goes retrograde generally three times a year. Um, and it generally goes retrograde within uh, signs of the same element. So we've got a Pisces retrograde, we've got a Cancer retrograde, and we've got a Scorpio retrograde this year. And sometimes it will back out into other elemental signs, but, but you get basically the idea. So you can, whichever one you get first, you can kind of count on that for elementally for the rest of the year um, and, until it starts to switch around. Uh, so we have retrogrades in, in water signs, in, in the places of our emotions, of our imaginations, of our desire to merge and conform to our containers. And uh, I really like the way that this was explained to me in my astrology class about primary and secondary motion. Now, primary motion is the motion of the sun during the course of the day. If we look at our chart here, it's the clockwise motion. And this is said to be of the nature of the sun, which is the divine or, or of the one. Uh, the, the secondary motion, the counterclockwise, was said to be of the nature of the moon, which was of the many. Okay, and was about bringing things into form. And that is the planetary will. The planets move through the zodiac and they are using their own will. Now, when a planet goes retrograde, like Mercury is here, it is basically surrendering to the divine primary solar motion uh, of, the, uh, of the planets, okay, of the, of the zodiac of the, oh, however these things are spinning, okay? And I think that that is, Mercury no longer has its own will. And this is why it gets pretty, pretty messed up communications-wise because Mercury wants to uh, have clear communication. It wants to do commerce. It wants to contest things and divide things into categories and things of that nature. It wants technology to move quickly. Uh, it wants messages to be brought from one place to another. Uh, and when it is of the divine will, it's, a, it's like a course correction. It's like you, you've, we've been going through the shadow period and we're getting this, this divine course correction where we have to surrender. Our communication is being guided by the divine now, not by Mercury. <laughs> like, and those things may be confusing because we're so used to communicating in a certain way. I think that the thing that I would say with this is, this is a great time for listening. Okay, instead of, putting the messages out, how can you receive something? And you, what you receive may not be an external message, it may be an internal one. It may be where you dive into your own imaginal underworld, okay? Remember, Mercury is, in, is the evening star right now. It is, it is the, the psychopomp, right? Where it has gone into the underworld and is trying to find something to bring back to the surface. And we may be doing that deep dive right now. And it may be uncomfortable. OK, 
Okay, it may be something where we come to terms with something and our thoughts go to places that are perhaps a little dark. The underworld isn't always a nice place. It isn't always a fun place. It's, but it's a place where we've buried treasure sometimes and sometimes where we've buried fears and nightmares. So whatever you bring back, I think that there is a gift to both of it. You may bring back some kind of treasure of getting in touch with your essential, true spiritual self. You may also bring back a fear or a nightmare where eventually if you come to terms with it, you can release it and then you're liberated. So either way, you can find a way to deal with this, I think, in a way that can bring some benefit into your life. And it may not be easy, but I think that's the way to handle this particular transit. Um, Remember, this is a mutable sign, so we have to be flexible. Mutable water. We're going to be, boundaries are are blurred right now. It's difficult to, to create boundaries, especially with thoughts. The difficult thing with this is that our thoughts and our intuitions may be merging with other people's thoughts and intuitions. I, I do believe that we are connected with our intuition and our sixth sense, so to speak. And I, I do, do think that, that that has been proven over time, that, that we do have some kind of, I don't know, I think that we have a, a little bit of a hive mind um, with humanity and some sort of field or net or matrix, like I was talking about, that we're tapping into, that we're creating from. Uh, and with Mercury in the sign and going retrograde, it may be very difficult to differentiate or to discriminate between your thoughts and feelings and the people that you're close to, or the collective. And that can feel overwhelming. Um, this is a great time to just go take a bath and meditate and try to be get in touch with your own spiritual self and your own space. It's okay if you need to get away from the drama for a little bit. It's okay if you want to escape. This is why we talk about Piscean. Sometimes they get a bad rap of trying to escape. You know what they're trying to escape? Your bullshit. <laughs> Try to escape all of your drama and get back in touch with uh, who they are and the siren song of their own heart and mind and spirit rather than just being this sponge for everything around them. Uh, and this could be true of any planet that you have moving through Pisces in your chart. Okay, now, what are we searching for? I, I one of the things I wrote down in my notes was was hope. What is, what is inspiring us? We've been through some tough stuff with all these exiles, with this full moon. We may have had to let go of some sort of identity uh, that we really, you know, had a lot of pride or ego around. We may have, this may be a, a time where we've really felt like humbled and we need to, we may feel a little demoralized by that. Um, I know that, just watching the news, it's, it's very easy to get demoralized with what's going on out in our collective right now. And I think that this is a great time to go internal to find where can you find that spark of hope again? Where can you, what universal truth is motivating you rather than a material truth? What can you reconnect with that you may have gotten away from because of anxiety, because of fear, because of the way that, you know, it's being pumped to us through our cell phones, through our computers, through the news and TV. 
I mean, I got news for you. And this isn't news to anybody, I don't think, but media, it, you know, is, is a tough, tough thing. It's not objective. And it's, it's more subjective than it's ever been. And when you have an, a subjective media, you are, uh, it's very difficult sometimes to parse out the truth from the illusion and to figure out whether the fear is coming from being manipulated or from the reality of the situation. And that's what we're really facing now, especially as we move into an election cycle. The, the, the propaganda machine is going to be kicking into overdrive from, from all sides. You know, and, and it's going to have to, you're going to have to be trying to really figure out what is real and what is not. And I think that's one of the, the challenges of this Mercury retrograde is a lot of those lines are going to be blurred. It's blurred. It's going to be difficult to figure out what is reality because uh, the deck is stacked against us. And I think we're going to have to uh, check in with each other. I think that's, that, that would be my advice with this is, uh, you don't have to do it alone. If you're confused about something, try to get clarification from, you know, some sort of objective source. I know that a lot of my friends, uh, instead of, you know, watching the news in America, like which can be biased either direction, they'll go and they'll look at the BBC, uh, which also could be biased, but, it, but, you know, it could be more objective than uh, partisan political news in America or something like NPR or something like that. I, I don't know how subjective those organizations are, but um, a lot of people tell me, hey, go, go get your news from the BBC because it's an outside perspective. Um, and maybe that's what we have to do during these cycles is try to find some objective third party to get involved and to really help us figure out what the reality of our situation is because there's a lot of blustery uh, confusion happening from all sides. Okay, um, the last aspect we have for the week is the moon making a square to that retrograde Mercury. So something is going to try to manifest uh, that may be feeling very confusing, and we may have to re-examine our belief systems. And because this square is coming both from Jupiter-ruled signs, okay, this is very a very Jupiter-inspired uh, square, and it's, there may be some action that is triggering a, uh, a reconsideration. Um, general Mercury retrograde advice type of things, back up your computer, uh, give yourself more time to travel, ask questions for clarification if you don't understand something. A lot of the pain that we go through is through making assumptions. So don't just assume something based on a nuance, based on some body language, because you're probably misinterpreting it around this time. So ask for clarification. That, that's always a great way to move through a period like this. And then just be patient and let go of the oars. Don't, don't try to force your agenda on, on life. You know, Try to get in touch with where you're being guided to go. And I think that you'll have a better experience. All right. That is what I've got for this week. Uh, looking ahead to next week, the 17th through the 23rd, the sun will be moving into Pisces uh, on Tuesday. And then on Thursday, we will have a sextile between Jupiter and Neptune. On Friday, Mars will be making a few aspects. It'll make a trine with Uranus and then a square with Chiron. Uh, and then Saturday, the 22nd, a sextile between the Sun and Uranus. And that's all building up to a new moon 
in Pisces, uh, which is very closely in alignment with a square uh, from, well, is also happening concurrently while Venus is making a square to Jupiter. So that's what we'll discuss next week. I hope that you are doing well. Thank you for hanging out with me today. Um, if you are enjoying these videos, please, please, please hit the like button, hit the share button, hit the subscribe button. Uh, if you want to contribute to future episodes of the weekly forecast, there's a PayPal link, uh, PayPal me link down there or a Venmo. Uh, I always appreciate that. And uh, yeah, again, the, the best way that you can support my work is schedule a reading. Then you get, then you get a reading out of it. And uh, then we can, can, uh, I can meet you and we can interact. And that's always fun for me as, a, as an astrologer is that, that human interaction. I do that via Zoom like I do with I, when I record these things. So wherever you are in the world, we can pull up your chart. Um, I do a lot of detailed analysis. I, I, I'm as detailed in my personal readings as I am in these weekly forecasts. And I, I take a lot of notes. So when you see me looking at things, it's because I have four pages of stuff that looks like this. <laughs> so, so if you want an astrologer that'll Virgo out on your chart, <laughs> I'd be more than happy to help you. All right, everyone. Take care. Peace.